The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. Welcome back to the Brandon Peters Show for another installment of the Music Video Companion Series 2. The summer of 93 and 30. It's the summer of 93 and 30. Returning today is Troy Brownfield of the Saturday Evening Post. Hello, Troy. Hey, Brandon. How you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, here we are, summer of 93 at 30. Uh, as we do to start up top here, Troy, the movies discussed on the monday episode this week were tom and jerry colon the movie <laughs> so i married an axe murderer and robin hood colon men in tights and rising sun any quick thoughts on any four of those my first thought is harriet sweet Harriet. but uh so i married an axe murderer i feel is the winner of that batch um rising sun it's kind of interesting. i mean that was that was the michael crichton era yeah they, they were going for you know it was it was a fairly new novel at that time it hadn't been out that long when it got adapted into the movie but you know they were scrambling for every michael crichton thing with jurassic because every in rapid succession you had like jurassic park and congo and all these mm-hmm. things yeah it was disclosure but it wasn't like they hadn't been making movies of crichton since the andromeda strain and you know they just there in Westworld, there was just this huge outpouring of stuff, and you got to include ER in that because ER. Oh right, 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 yeah. But it was just one thing after another, Crichton, Crichton, Crichton. But he was Rising, the, the next Stephen King because they mined King once they had a hit film from him. Yeah, boom, and then not that Crichton had stuff way before this, but this is where they really honed in. Yeah, and Crichton kind of gives rise to the. The, the term techno thriller comes from Crichton, you know? Mm-hmm. And so the, the aspect of rising sun is more, it's kind of funny because they have this stuff with, um, you know, computer surveillance and deep fake and internet things that were, were all in different names in, in the book and in the film, but, it, but it's really kind of prescient, but the uncomfortable sheen of anti-Japanese racism runs <laughs> throughout is, yeah. You know, there's there's all kinds of stuff. All the computer tech stuff done by our favorite nerd, Tia Carrera. That's right. Because she has glasses and her hair is up, so she is unattractive. That's right. And, uh, you know, Wesley Snipes is working on his action hero mode. Mm-hmm. He expands on. Because, you know, it's funny when you think about the arcs of careers, because at this point, Wesley Snipes was a comedy guy. He was in there. He was getting ready. This was a uh, was Passenger Fifty Seven out yet? He has Demolition Man in the neck in a in like a month or two after yeah. this. You had Wildcats and you had White Men Can't Jump and maybe Money Train had been out by this point. Yeah, he, he, this is a year after um, Passenger Fifty Seven, so he's okay, launched so. as an action star. All right, so 
my mistake on that one. Major League as well. Yeah, was, uh, money train would be two years later. Gotcha. So, and people would start throwing cocktails into booths at subway trains because of that movie. <laughs> but yeah, Ma- Major League was uh, eighty nine. So yeah, this mm-hmm. is pretty much. Uh, so yeah, that that's interesting. But I, I think yeah. So I married an ex murderer. I think that kind of holds up because it's just so weird. It, it's not you know like anything else. It's when Mike Myers was still funny. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, he had a see, thing. He was like one of the comedic geniuses of the nineties, but like, like I, I like to say with Kevin Smith, we all grew up and evolved and they sort of never did. They sat in the same, they never figured out the best evolution of Mike Myers comedy wound up being like Shrek is like yeah. maybe where it went, but that's, he went back and he does a movie and it's, the love guru and it's garbage it's one of the worst movies i've ever seen in my life and that's saying something considering i did a show called cults of cavalcade <laughs> went through stuff but like it's like i it was it was like nothing changed it was like he was trying to do an austin powers or wayne's world thing it's like we've moved past that how did you take your comedy and make it new he didn't he thought he was still cute at it and i literally when i did, worked in qc blu-rays and stuff i literally had people who would call in sick or ask to go home or something instead of having to watch that movie again. Like <laughs> I had to watch it twice because I didn't want people to get mad or something. Like it was a disaster to, I mean, and this is like, you're supposed to be like, Hey, this is your work. You do it. But I understood. And it was like, it was like, I saw it myself. I was like, Oh my God. Like, yeah, I wouldn't. It's bad. Yeah. Um, And then he had a TV show recently, which I heard was the same thing. Like he didn't grow up like Kevin Smith. You see his movies now. They're, just kind of the same as they were back then. Like, and he's making movies just for his fans now, pretty much, which more power to you. That's more than I have. So, yeah, right. Yeah. It, he, he's kind of cultivated a, he cultivated a space that, um, not just for film, but just where he could play a character called Kevin Smith. Right. Full time basis and do his talking shows and everything. And people, you know, enjoy that. And that's all good, but it, he was quite a talented comic book writer. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He has not done that in years, to my recollection. He wrote a really great run of Daredevil that has been mined for films and TV. In addition to you know, when you think about the great Daredevil runs, people talk about Miller and Bendis, and then they talk about Kevin Smith, Guardian Devil. You know, and then he did a couple of unfortunate Batman stories, but he was he had the talent to do that at a high level and i don't know why he didn't do more with that you'd think that he would be an easy pickup for a company <laughs> right yeah there was so much promise of him in the 90s but he just kind of i think he just feared doing a huge blockbuster thing and it just and you know he really found he was out of his wheelhouse in terms of his cinematic know-how he was more knowing of a, as a critic and writer than he was a director like he stuck with his directorial strengths he could have challenged himself but he yeah but he he did not um but yeah so those are our uh movies that we had this week so let's get into our music video our song this week uh is the proclaimers i'm gonna be parentheses 500 miles uh, originally appearing on their sophomore album sunshine on leith Released in 1988, the song was made famous in 1993 as it appeared on the soundtrack to 
Benny and June. Uh, Troy, you seen Benny and June? I have. Um, I have too. I did not see it in the theater at the time. I saw it on video, but um, this was, it was a pretty close window. I mean, it was a, it was not one that was out, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't like a long wait. Right. I remember, but um, I, the, the video is one of those, you know, standard performance videos intercut with scenes from the film. Um, so you kind of had a familiarity with a bunch of the scenes from the film by seeing the video. <laughs> right. You'd seen it. But um, I, I just, I remember the omnipresence of the song from, from the time and of, of the movie. Uh, my main takeaways um, are, you know, Depp's whole uh, Charlie Chaplin, Buster Keaton shtick. And then the, uh, my favorite scene was when the guys early on they're playing poker, but mm-hmm. instead of using money, they're getting rid of shit they don't want from their houses, including <laughs> Oliver Platt yelling salad shooter as he raises the pot. You know, I love that. That's a great scene because it's just so weird and specific mm-hmm. that I love that idea. But um, yeah, it's, I remember kind of enjoying it, but I also remember at the time there were a lot of critics that were like, yeah, you know, it's kind of weird how this movie thinks that mental illness is kind of adorable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Um, you know, one of the funny things I remember from this movie too, like, uh, I haven't seen the movie in a long time, and I <clears> think <throat> I'm thinking it like maybe once <clears throat> or twice. But uh, the trailer is an example. Uh, go look it up of where they they picked the wrong guy for the trailer voice because he's way too intense for what this movie is. Because he's like. And they pick a guy's like Johnny Depp, uh, Aiden Quinn, and Mary Stuart Masterson, Benny and June. And I'm like, this is with the guy, the potato guy. <laughs> like the potato guy. Like, like, this is not like what and it's and it's playing Peter Gabriel's in your eyes in the trailer. It's not mm-hmm. playing proclaimers. Uh, because they're probably trying to cash in on that say anything kind of yeah. vibe. But the God it when two people meet and it's like it's like way too like i know the movie gets to some serious dramatic stakes but like that you probably need to sell the movie a little more fun than that ty west's benny and june benny and june (laughs) yeah so yeah so that's where this so this one goes on the soundtrack you're like let's make a music video and put it on the radio it's an old song let's do it that happens um i mean we just had the year before with like wayne's world brought bohemian rhapsody back in yeah to fold so uh as a 1993 single it would reach number three on the hot 100 number eight on the modern rock chart and number 25 on the adult contemporary chart uh went gold in the u.s selling over 800,000 copies and two times platinum in the uk with 1.2 million copies uh the uh band members two brothers uh, Craig Reed has said that the band's earnings from the song are about five times more than the rest of their catalog combined. And I don't doubt that it is, you know, in well, name another proclaimer song like off the right, yeah, right. Pe- people in the states, you know, rightly for the states, contextualize them as a one hit wonder, but they've had a long career mm. in. UK and Europe and so forth. Some of those records didn't even come out in the states. Like the 
the the Sunshine on Leith that you remarked, I don't think it came out in the States until after Benny in June. I don't think it was ever even released here <laughs> in its original mm-hmm. form. They got a, a, a re-release probably with a sticker on it, you know, like as heard right. in Benny and June. As heard, but yeah, it's probably what happened, yeah. But they um but those guys, um, you know, David Tennant. The the tenth mm-hmm. doctor, yep. the Clangers are his favorite band. They're you know all good Scotsmen, but um, it, it's just it's interesting when you have that kind of act that they become um, a one hit wonder to us, but widely known. And yeah, there's there's countries. so many that Still get making records. Some people that get labeled as one hit wonders, but I'm like, you just don't, you just don't know their other stuff, or you and your little collective cl- like. Like people like put like I've heard Rick Astley get called a one hit wonder. I'm like, no. Yeah, that's <laughs> he, had, he, he had other hits. Uh like he, you know, like you just were not in his era. Like Corey Hart had more than sunglasses at night. Like never sur- like surrender. Like, come on. Like I yeah. hear these people, like it gets tossed out because one song lasted in the pop culture lexicon, but they they had hits in the moment. Like, like, yeah. Yeah, Con- Connor wants my my oldest son Connor for the rest of you um, wants me to do an article for yeah. the the post about um it, it, we've never quite settled on the title for the concept but um bands or performers that had a song that was so awesome they didn't need another song mm-hmm. and like one of the victims of that it was uh, Rick Springfield with Jesse's Girl the man had you know twenty five plus top forty hits but Jesse's Girl is so fucking gigantic as a concept that you know some people don't realize that he had hit after hit after hit for many many years starting in the 70s and running through you know to the 90s like Mm -hmm. actual hit songs or um you know a little smaller of it but like the outfield uh your love by the outfield is so much more well known than a lot of the other songs which were also top 10 top 40 Mm -hmm. It's a lot of singles, so it, it's kind of funny. And the Proclaimers just, you know, happen to have one massive U.S. hit. Right. <laughs> and the rest of the hits just are somewhere else. But, you know, it's funny. The, the, a lot of the bands that we consider, like, the great alternative acts and whatnot, New Order and, and so forth, they, they didn't have a lot of mm-hmm. U.S. hits on the you know, on the alternative charts on the post on when they had the modern rock charts, it's like all the little subdivisions, you know, right. but top 40, they had what, like true faith and a couple others is they didn't break through that much, but they're a well-known beloved strong selling band that still exists. Yeah. There are, there are, I mean, there are huge staple, like re, uh, you get like regional stuff, like there's different measures of like high success and big time, like over in the UK, it's a whole different slew of bands or bands that didn't break over here, but are still doing crazy business over there. Like what, like, like over the UK, um, like you're like Pet Shop Boys and what's his name? Robbie, uh, oh, Robbie Williams, Robbie Williams, humongous there. They did okay over here for yeah. a, a small time, but like big time over there, stuff like, like, I mean, you said Dr. Who Billy Piper was this huge pop star over there. And we, had, we were <laughs> like, Billy, Billy, Billy. Billy, but she's the Doctor Who kid. Yeah, but like over there was like, oh my gosh, they're getting what would be their equivalent of Britney Spears taking on, you know, yeah. one of their classic properties. And like anytime with me being a Doctor Who fan, that happens a lot. Like recently with uh, 
Doctor Who Flux where they cast John Bishop and people in the UK I see on Twitter are like, oh my gosh, John Bishop's on Doctor Who. I'm like, who's John Bishop? Like, yeah. I thought that might have been the character's name. It wasn't. It was the actor. Because that sounds like a character name, John Bishop. Yeah. But no, he right. played Dan. He played Dan from Liverpool. But um, that's, that's the kind of stuff that happens. And I know like if you go to New York, there are some there are people on Broadway that are humongous stars over there and celebrities that we don't even have a whiff of who they are like oh, over here yeah so i i have two notes on that canada is the same way like mm-hmm. the tragically hip were a massive band in canada it's like kind of so almost like the national rock band of canada in a right. sense for, for decades people here had no idea who the hell they are except they would maybe see them in their uh, uh columbia records and bmg catalogs like here are the yeah it's the tragically hip and to a lesser extent, the cowboy junkies who I feel are pretty well known in the States, right. but you know, beloved cultural figures in Canada. But, um, well, speaking of the tragically hip on this show, I had uh Steven Chapansky from radio free scarrow also bring in Dr. Who, uh, but he was, we were talking about bare naked ladies, but he mentioned tragically hip who never really broke out over here, but their farewell concert in Canada is like still the highest rated thing ever on tv in canada yeah just like a massively yeah beloved act and um no it's 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 interesting to see that kind of stuff shake out and mm-hmm. there's also with the proclaimers it was, it was like this weird little bandwidth because it's 1993 of uh uh duos mm-hmm. that have songs related to film is there and tv because the rembrandts oh yeah the rembrandts yeah rembrandts had um that's the way it is baby 1991 mm-hmm. you know big hit and then you know i'll be Evan there. and jaren but yeah, uh, yeah. this is the story of a girl was that them maybe i don't okay. know you, you know what i i admit that there's this whole arc of late 90s bands that are or acts i have no idea who the hell <laughs> it actually did the song i know the song i might know all the words to it mm-hmm. but i might not know you know who it was because who was oh my gosh oh i gotta remember there there was do you remember the 66 batman they had an episode where some musical act it was a duo they came on I oh yeah. yeah it's like jeremy it was and jeremy was it? chad J- <laughs> Yeah, that's the proclaimers of the '60s. <laughs> that's right, Zagger and Evans. They even had the glasses, right? Um, yeah. Oh my gosh. So, uh, yeah, the song, the uh, music video of which uh, it's not much. It's clips from the movie, as Troy alluded to earlier. It's directed by Don Cluth and Jeff Panzer. Cluth directed the "Dreaming of You" video for Selena, and. Uh, the crying game by Boy George and produced videos for Slayer, Queens, Ragged, and the Wu Tang Clan. Uh, Panzer, he uh, he helped with the crying game, he co directed the crying game music video, but he did Three Doors Downs Away from the Sun video and he produced videos for Paris Hilton, Limp Biscuit, Lil Wayne, and Wilson Phillips. That's a combo and was the video commissioner for Nicki Minaj's Anaconda most recently. Okay, so these, these guys kind of very. I'm sure there's a lot of stuff I'm not seeing them credited for that, but they're right in the industry still. And we're around with things, but um, yeah, interesting I, I, feel, I feel like, um, and we, we talked about this a little bit when we did the eighties uh, mm-hmm. stuff, but there is a woeful lack of record keeping 
in terms of the talent behind right. music videos as a whole. Now, for every yep. like Hype Williams or whatever that puts their name front and center in the video, or for people that we know specifically that did them, like David Fincher doing Madonna's stuff and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, there's a lot of talent lost to time, right? As terms of who you know, there might be people you know that were directors or conceptual artists or whatnot on on these videos that got them a a leg up. You know, Ted Demi, did, yeah. sorry, Jonathan Demi, Ted, J- Jonathan Demi's brother, Ted Demi. He was involved in getting a Yo MTV Raps launched, and he he produced a lot of videos was involved in a lot of stuff yeah there's a lot i mean directors that we don't know and then models that are in these videos that are accounted for that they're like literally the focus point or star of videos they are not accounted for at all it's kind of crazy um yeah there needs to be this whole world someone needs to do complete i don't have the time for it but complete study on the you know music videos the idea find people it's be interesting but We've talked, we've talked that before. Um, so this song, um, notable, it's, it's appeared in a lot of things other than Benny and June since, but, uh, there's notably an episode of Grey's Anatomy that, um, used it. Um, it was, um, a flash mob scene that, that went to it. And then, um, uh, one of my notable other fair one was how i met your mother used it uh the road trip episode where ted and marshall marshall's car has it jammed the single or something jammed in the cassette deck and it just plays it on repeat and it goes through the motions shows it was a, it was a good song to pick for that it's like it comes back around yeah it does it comes back around um yep. but yeah the uh because oh they were trying to get his car to a certain mileage or something too that was the the funny thing with that but uh yeah this song, i like this song I, it's always worked for me like two nerdy looking guys singing belting out a ballad yeah and, and you know what's kind of funny about it musically that fits in with the 90s pretty well is, is it's um it's a climbing song mm-hmm. where it starts out with um just kind of the guitar and builds up and the, the band fills in and then it goes back down it's got that soft loud soft dynamic that like everybody yeah. nirvana smashing pumpkin. weezer say it say it ain't so yeah yep. yeah very dun, that's dun, true dun, 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 you know and then big chorus and then take it back down and then boom, mm-hmm. boom, you know it's yeah. it was of the time even though it was a late 80s song but that was you know the pixies and a lot of the other all acts of the period were doing that same kind of thing so it's yeah, yeah. nine inch nails would even do that kind of stuff that's kind of their they would you know, Travis are going the first. Like, yeah. Yeah, they, yeah. Going down in it. Yeah. Like all that. Yeah. I was up above. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah. So good. So good. But yeah, so that's uh, pretty much what we got here for the Proclaimers uh, episode. Uh, thank you, Troy, for coming on. You're back next week again. So back to back. We did back to back with Tony Shaw, back to back with Troy Brownfield. So until next week and the six days between these. Uh, where can people keep up with you? Um, I am executive editor of the Saturday Evening Post. So SaturdayEveningPost.com has most of my regular stuff. I also write uh, comics. The upcoming Legend of Isis, the new kingdom from Tidal Wave Productions is something I'm writing, um, which there'll be some information popping up about that soon. You can follow me on social media at the usual places, um, usually just Troy Brownfield. 
and you can find me on Facebook and what used to be Twitter and threads and other places. So uh, if you're interested, I'm there. Gotcha. Okay. And I am on Twitter and Instagram at brand4khd written work on whysoblue.com. Come back Monday. Aaron, Scott, and I talk that night. My boyfriend's back, the Meteor Man and the Fugitive. Some people may have seen that one. Uh, as the summer of 93 at 30 continues. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Olsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. The Summer of and News Themes by Press Maxson. Additional information on this and other episodes at thebrandonpetershow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at thebrandonpetershow.com. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.